Yes. Okay. Thank you. So I'm Simon Peter Mwesije. I'm Ugandan and I'm based in Kampala. I work as a land expert. Um so working on issues of property rights and land rights um for the United Nations Human Settlements Program. And what does that work typically involve? So um for a, for a for a non-specialist like me, yeah. can you explain it to me? Yes. <laughs> so um in the western world um it's uh, clear that every right to property is registered within a cadaster and um there is a way to verify property rights so if you want to buy for instance a property you have an office where you can go to and verify the owner and um then of course buy um here in 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 most of sub saharan africa and most of the developing world um in uganda especially we have over 80% of the land uh, not registered and is held customarily so we have uh, a lot of uh, issues arising uh, related to rights disputes and and so my work is you know around um registration of property rights um issues of land use planning to make sure that uh land is developed in an orderly way and um we also support government with uh policy issues so ensuring that there are the right policies uh of for land and uh regulations and laws mm-hmm. so you're in Kampala right are are you from there originally yes so i am originally from uh, western uganda but i have been living here in kampala in the capital of uganda for uh over now uh over half of my life i came here to study uh my high school and since then i have stayed here in in the capital kampala right do you, do you like it what's it like as a city um i've been there a couple of times but i i wouldn't say that i could could even begin to describe it because i didn't really feel like i got to know it so what's it like as a as a city i i um so so uh, you must remember that um kampala is the capital city of uganda and it has over 3 million inhabitants and um uh, the kampala metropolitan area which houses most of the people who work within the central business district uh is also crowded just like you know the city center and um the the city is is very beautiful uh it is composed of many hills originally they were um they were eight and now they are much more because the city has expanded there is a lot of urban sprawl here and um yeah and it's um it's it's an interesting city Do do you like it? Yes, um I enjoy living here. Um mainly because of, you know, the the people here, they are very uh they are very warm and um it's it's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. I remember it as being very busy, very uh vibrant. How is it at this moment when you look out your window? 
Well, uh, right now, it's unlike uh, usual. I, I live next to a road um, that is connecting one of the suburb um, of Kampala to, to the main uh, center. And um, normally the road is very busy. Now it's not. It's very quiet. It's very calm. And there is much less traffic than, than usual. Mainly because the, yeah. so, the main way of transport around Kampala is through um, what we call taxis, but these are matatus, uh, omnibuses. Um, right now, because of the current uh, COVID situation, um, they are not able to move, um, as well as there is restriction on movement of personal cars. I'm interested, actually, that you mentioned those, uh, those those little taxis because how do the people who run those how how do they manage for an income in a situation like this? Because a lot of them are just individually owned, isn't that right? That's right. So, Dominic, you you raise an important question. Um, in this time um, of of lockdown. So, so the lockdown, there is restriction of movement, and that means that also a lot of businesses are closed because uh, people are not able to go to to, to work. But there is also a, a des- um, there is a deliberate, um, you know, restriction on non-essential services. So businesses which are not related to health services and uh, food supplying. They are all closed down. So, so Dominic, it's it's not just the people who are driving matatus. Uh, it's also um, over one point five million people here in in the capital who are living in informal settlements and have informal jobs um, that are not able to go to work within this time, and they live hand uh, to mouth. Uh, that means that uh, what they earn for that day is what they use to feed themselves and their families. So all those people are at risk uh, during this time. They are at risk of starvation and um, the dependence as well. Are there other ways that those populations are also coming under pressure? I'm, I'm thinking about with um, relative to their position in informal settlements. Um, do, do people typically pay rent? Yeah, no, thank you, Dominic. Yes, uh, people typically pay rent. They live in rented um, houses. Uh, there is also another issue uh, that most of the, of the housing is not um, decent housing, is not uh, permanent structures. And uh, around this time, also, it's the rainy season. And um, one of the emerging issues uh, related to climate change is that the levels of, of Lake Victoria, which is uh, the biggest um, fresh uh, water lake, um, which is, um, I mean, Kampala is located at the, at the, at the shore of this lake. Um, the water levels have gone um, up uh, unprecedentedly, um, it is said that it's been decades since the water levels have been that high. 
and so um, a lot of uh, suburbs in the uh, Kampala are flooded. Uh, but also, as I mentioned earlier, most of Kampala is hilly, so you have typically um, a hill, and then you have the lowland, and in the lowland is where most of the informal settlements are situated, and these are formerly, uh, you know, uh, uh, wetlands. So, so right now, because of heavy rains, uh, most of those areas are flooded, and um, people also on top of uh, all these challenges they have to deal with um, also a challenge of finding uh, where to sleep or decent shelter for the for themselves and their families is there a sense that the that the government has the capacity to help people in that situation or um, is the is the situation so unprecedented and somewhat chaotic that it's that it's difficult uh, y- yes dominic the government has um, put in place um, uh, some measures to support the vulnerable people, especially those who are in the condition that I just described, uh, mostly with food supplies. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so far, the focus is on the people who are living in the informal settlements in in the capital Kampala. Um, but the, 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 the supply of food is still very slow and the food is not reaching to um, you know many people who are in need. Um, I guess also it's because of you know limited capacity of of government and resources to be to, to be able to reach everybody. Um, but but there are there there are also there are more needs going beyond uh, just um, you know provision of 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 food, as we mentioned there. Are, there are needs related to shelter. There are needs related to sanitation and and water. Um, mm-hmm. No water is 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 one of the um, you know main um, ways to respond to the COVID nineteen uh, access to to water and soap. Uh, but this is one of the biggest challenge to to the people who are living in these conditions. They are not able to uh, access. Uh, to clean, to have access to clean water, uh, and therefore, um, I worry that if um, the outbreak reaches in some of these areas, it's going to be uh, catastrophic. It, looking at the cases so far, the number of cases, at least officially recorded in Uganda, is very is very low. It's something around sixty one. Is it possible to keep an accurate track? So, 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 Dominic. Um, yes, the number of cases is still quite low, and the curve has been uh, flattening, mainly because of uh, uh, government's quick response in the early days of the of the of the of the virus outbreak. Yeah. So, as soon as the first case was announced in Uganda, the lockdown, total lockdown of the country was also uh, proclaimed by the government. Um, and there was, you know, restriction on movement. Um, however, there have been concerns um, on the capacity of government to uh, do uh, adequate testing, as well as to follow up on the contacts of the confirmed cases. Yeah. Um, so, so, so there are there are a lot of uh, capacity gaps. Um, 
be that as it may, I think that the government here is uh, trying to do, uh, you know, what is um, possible in order to contain the, the spread of, of um, the virus. And, is, and is... Um, I, I would also argue that uh, in the region so far, Uganda is one of the countries that are doing better. Is is Parliament still sitting in session at the minute? Yes, um, yes. Parliament has um, Parliament business is still ongoing. Parliament has been identified as one of the key services that government services that need to go on during this time. Yeah. Uh, so, gov- uh, so parliamentarizations are still ongoing, mainly because there are a lot of emerging situations where. Uh, budgetary allocations need to be uh, made and uh, decisions um, need to be taken. And, and that's why uh, that, that's one of the reasons that has been cited as the main reason why parliament needs to stay functional. Yeah, yeah. And so what about your own situation? So are you, uh, do you live with your family or, you know, what's your situation there? Are you, are you on your own? Yes, so so um, I, I live with uh, my wife, um, and um, incidentally, my wife is from Italy. Um, we had been before this. Uh, we have we are we had been living apart for um, more than two years, and um, she she just moved here in Kampala in December, together with um, uh, our three-year-old daughter. Uh, so, so um, it was a pleasant coincidence that she moved before the outbreak. So before that, they were both living in Italy. And um, yeah, so you can imagine how it would have been uh, for me if we would still be living apart. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When did they arrive? So they arrived here in December last year. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, that's great! <laughs> yeah. yeah, and 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 what about the the nuts and bolts of of your work? Um, uh, have you had to sort of reorient your work in the light of COVID nineteen to deal with um, immediate crises that are happening? Yes, uh, Dominic. Um, work has changed the way we work, but also the uh, actual interventions that. Um, we manage and implement. Mm-hmm. So we have had to, first of all, change the way we work. Um, as we are all working from home, um, we have had to adjust uh, to the new uh, way of working, um, as well as to, for me personally, I've had to adjust my work schedules to find uh, the best time within the day when I'm very productive uh, to try and uh, use those maximally. And those are often the the times when my daughter is either sleeping, um, you know, or, or, or very busy playing <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So, so what work has, has changed also. Uh, we have had to readjust our programs um, in order to respond to the COVID-19 um so dominic before we were supporting communities before the outbreak we were supporting communities to collect um information 
um, on land and property rights in the informal settlements um, and use that information in order to be able to negotiate with uh, local authorities to provide, um, you know, their their, their priorities. So um, priorities such as sanitation, uh, priorities and services such as opening roads, um, garbage collection, lighting, adequate lighting in, in the informal settlements, and so on. So um, we, we still um, have to find ways in this time to collect this information. We are mostly now collecting it um, using cloud sourcing. Um, and, and we are also... Um, uh, you know, making sure that we collect information on how our communities are impacted by COVID-19 and to make sure that we provide this uh, information timely to the local authorities and to the national government to be able to respond to the communities' uh, changing needs. I've, I find it interesting, the the change in the work schedule and, you know, have you made interesting discoveries about how well you can work in different circumstances? Because that flexibility can sometimes work well for people, right? Yes, yes. So, so, so before this um, COVID nineteen situation, I I had a regular day starting from eight until five uh, in the office, and and now I I have to work from from home, so. Um, Mostly, as I said earlier, I, I normally um, work best uh, during certain hours when I am uh, uninterrupted by, by family. And so I mostly work um, during, you know, early morning before my daughter is awake. Um, that, that's a time I find very productive. So ordinarily, I would, you know, wake up at six and get ready to work. Uh, now I often wake up um, much earlier, say four, so that I can, uh, you know, use that time to work until around eight thirty or nine when my daughter is awake. So in many ways, um, my work schedule has changed, and I have had to adjust to uh, find the best way to work. How how do you feel about it? The you've been in lockdown for about four weeks how, how does it feel for you well it's um it's it's challenging um but i i i i feel that um you know i have adapted uh very quickly um and um do you miss people yeah i mean I at home here. I also have um, some members of my extended family. So um, it's interesting that now also this lockdown has provided me um, some quality time to spend with them and also with my family who have just moved here. So yeah, I mean it's it's a bit of some advantages and um, yeah, there there are also things that I miss. Um, uh, ordinarily, I, I am. I, I like to go out. Uh, you know, especially during weekdays. Uh, so that part of social life uh, is on standstill. And um, yeah, and yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> so so we've had to, to adjust a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. One last question. I, I'm, I'm thinking about those people who we spoke about earlier who are in those most vulnerable situations, right? And they're living in the city that you're in. Um, is it challenging for you to maintain a sort of professional distance from them? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so um, one of the things we have also learned, um, yeah, during this time more, Dominic, is that, um, you know, people here um, do not have, you know, they, they don't have, um, you know, safety nets and uh, they are very vulnerable. But, but one of the things that have helped are the social uh, networks that people have here. So um, a lot of people have reached out to their relatives, to their neighbors who are in those kind of situations and, and have supported. Um, in fact, the, the government um, is running a campaign where it is um, calling upon individuals and, and and businesses and private sector um, to donate food supplies and all sorts of uh, support uh, that is being coordinated by a national a national task force uh, and uh, this kind of support is being uh, given to people in this kind of situation. So a lot of uh, private companies, a lot of um, individuals have reached out to government but also in their uh, different um, uh, individual capacities have reached out to the people that they know and and a lot of uh, support is coming through in different ways well simon thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me i really appreciate getting your perspective on things from kampala thank you dominic um Thank you. And um, I hope I hope you and your family all stay safe and well over the coming days. Th- thank you very much for the opportunity and um, uh, stay safe and greetings to your family as well. Simon Peter Musije is a land expert. He works for the United Nations Human Settlements Program, and he's based in Kampala, Uganda.